Hello and welcome to the Making It in Asheville podcast. This is your friendly neighborhood podcast where each week we sit down with an Asheville maker, entrepreneur, small business owner, community member, ask them what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And we are pretty much in the middle back half now of a e-commerce focused season where we're sitting down with Asheville businesses that are selling physical things over the internet <laughs> to people and also in person and also in trade shows. And so if you're interested in e-commerce things, you've come to the right place. If you're interested in Asheville-based businesses, you've come to the right place. Today, we have on a uh, very exciting, very funny, very witty, very, uh, we, we had to be discerning on which <laughs> products we brought to the table for, uh, as examples, uh, business called High Cotton, highcotton.com and we have matthew bishop here joining us matthew please introduce yourself to the making of nashville podcast and tell us just like quickly what is high cotton today okay um my name is matthew bishop i'm one of the co-owners of high cotton gifts and uh we create and uh sell products that are very humor-based um everything we do has you know tongue-in-cheek kind of some sort of messaging. So we have a variety of products. Um, we do drink coasters, doormats, car magnets, uh, wall signs. Uh, but like I said, all of it um, ties in with uh, some sort of uh, funny saying or uh, funny image uh, for our different products. As an example, uh, I saw that as quoted by Karma. <laughs> Karma, I said, I saw that, which I... I, I really dig this. So, and then what is your role at High Cotton? So I am uh, vice president of sales. And like I said, one of the co-owners. So um, I manage, we also sell wholesale. Mm -hmm. So I manage, we work with uh, seven different uh, uh, rep groups mm -hmm. um, across the country. Amazing. So I manage all the rep groups and all of those um, those uh, sales reps mm -hmm. and, um, then sort of manage then all of our different sales channels as well. So, so much to ask when we'll give some, when was high cotton founded? So high cotton actually started like back in 1989. Okay. So, so you represent one of the older businesses in at that we've had on the podcast, not in Nashville, but that we've had on the podcast. I imagine a ton has happened, uh, from 1989 to today. Uh, when, when did you get involved in High Cotton? I came on with High Cotton um, uh, right uh, about 2009. Okay. Yeah. So. It's awesome. So I'm like, still. Yeah. <laughs> so it's not, you know, you, you would, I would say like the decade mark. It's pretty yeah. much a uh, before and after type uh, line where most podcast guests we've had are after 2010-ish. Yeah. So um, even that means that uh, you've probably seen a ton in uh, the ebbs and flows of retail at large. And I cannot wait to like double click and learn a bit more. Give us a sense of like the scale of this operation. So we have, you mentioned a ton of different product types from coasters to, uh, car magnets, doormats, wall art, what seven rep groups. We have had a guest on that talked a little bit about rep groups in the past. That seems like there's maybe an army of people selling products for you, yeah. depending on how big those rep groups can be. Yeah. So what is, what is, give us a sense of like, are you in all 50 states? How do we think about the size of the business? Yeah, well, I guess um, 
the way that you could look at it is um, essentially we're in probably 15, 12 to 1500 brick and mortar stores across the country. So like, you know, mom and pop main street kind of stuff. Um, and definitely in every state, um, we, we don't necessarily have sales reps in every state, but we definitely have accounts in every state. Um, and, uh, we work with, uh, mail order catalogs, online catalogs. So we do custom products for, uh, those types of customers and create and produce designs and products just for them that they sell on their sites or in their catalogs. So, wow. Okay. So the scale is huge. Uh, what, I mean, give, give us a sense. So I'm looking at like, I saw that karma. Uh, this might be a 25 year old concept, but talk us through how things get made and, and where, where this comes from. Like how do we do this? Well, um, initially when the, uh, when the company was first founded, there were there were two founders. So there was uh, one gentleman who was very business savvy and sort of drove that part of the business. And then um, the the other partner was super creative, like came from an advertising background, just like funny, funny, funny guy. So just like pages and pages and pages and pages of stuff. Because these, these is like, I, I imagine this. some of these might come, you know, my mind goes, this sounds like, old timey comedy, like straight up, just like, you know, one liner stuff, like counting to 10 only makes it premeditated is funny. <laughs> right? Like, I'm sorry that I slapped you. It just seemed like you were going to like keep talking forever. And I panicked. Like those are, yeah. these aren't just like, these are true comedy moments here captured as art. And so, yeah. Okay. And add an ad type yes. person just yeah. with a notebook that yeah. is uh, sharp. Yeah. So for years, that was kind of the, the system Mm -hmm. or, you know, how they, how they did things. And then, um, in 2006, he passed away suddenly. Mm. And, uh, then it was kind of this, like, what do we do for creativity now? You know what I mean? So that was a moment where we actually started looking sort of outside mm-hmm. of the company um, for artists who are creating work that made sense to our customers. Mm-hmm. So we actually started working with artists and licensing their work on our products. So right now we work with probably six or seven different artists and license their work. And then we also still create content in-house. Wow. Uh, at, at just a high level licensing art from artists is what does that relationship look like? I have very little insight. Is it like uh, per unit sold? Is it per, uh, you know, I guess yeah. you that they give you? Yeah. It's, like, it's based on sales. Yeah. Sales. A percent, so percentage of sales. Percentage of sales yeah. on the items. And it does, you can have a thousand of them sitting in a warehouse in Asheville, um, but it's not until they move. Right. What about, the difference between moving as wholesale, like to a mom and pop shop in Philadelphia versus uh, selling to a customer? Or is it tracked at the very, very end of the purchase or just wholesale means that it it's sold? At the very end of this. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 So at the time it's sold wholesale, it's paid. And at the time it sells retail, it's paid. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. Um, that seems like a lot of 
tracking. You'd have to pay, you'd have to do a lot of. I mean, it, it is, yeah. but you know, our system generates reports and you know, it's pretty straightforward. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, okay. So now there's, so it's all based on skew. So it's just like, you know, Bank and then a check gets printed. It's not even boom done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I'm over like someone's with a pen and a notebook. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. So now there's a team of artists, uh, and then internally you're creating work as well. Um, and how like on the website I, I remember seeing like made domestically. Yeah. All of our stuff is made in the U.S. Which is impressive. Where? How? Like what? Is there like a place <laughs> that just does uh, koozie, like coasters? Yeah. Just like a coaster place. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, we're fortunate to have two of our production facilities actually here in North Carolina, both kind of in the Winston-Salem area. Amazing. Um, and then we have, well, no, three. So our screen printer as well. So our doormats are screen printed. So that's... All the different products kind of are manufactured in different places because yeah. it's just it's a different process. And it, uh, I have to imagine at some point, someone might have said, "Hey, why don't you make this stuff overseas?" And so, what's the? Is there a why that keeps y'all producing locally? Is it for efficiency, like smaller batch sizes, and it's local? Um, how are you thinking about where this is made? Cause I love that it's made in. Yeah, no, I, I think it started out with, um, when the company first started, um, we also did all of our own production wow. manufacturing. So, um, at that time the company was based outside of Hilton head. So huge facility down there that did all of the products down there and did all of the shipping as well. So, um, there came a point where, um, it just made sense to sort of do that, to outsource that, mm -hmm. you know, because it just, yeah. What are you going to be great it, at? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's a lot. So, um, having had all of that production already in the U S and sort of jobs, you know, sure. so we just made a commitment to just keeping it all U S based. So, and it does, it, it helps us as far as inventory, you know, we're not having to buy huge quantities or containers or, you know, like that, if we're buying things overseas. Um, and because our facilities, our production facilities are located so close to our fulfillment center, it's, you know, we have deliveries within like a day or two. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I just, I, I like thinking about attempting to make sense of the scale. Cause I, I, I've seen your storage, and, and co-warehousing here. And it's just, it's such an efficient use of space because most of your products are like, this is the thickest thing on the table. And it's like, I don't think in millimeters, but it's like a quarter of an inch maybe. Yeah. Like, so, so you can have so much stuff in such a small amount of space Yeah. that, you know, 1500 locations, was it? in the U S tons and tons and tons and tons of product. That sounds like to me, um, and we have uh, 500 SKUs. So how, how do you think spread of, across? Yeah, all the how do you think about, uh, products over time? So I have to imagine some things have had like crazy longevity. The concept was a home run. Like 
I don't know when I saw that came to be, but I have to imagine that's not going anywhere. Like there's right. like if you made it this year, it'll be here 25 years from now. If you made it 30 years ago, it'll be here yeah. 30 years from now. Yeah. What um how quickly do you give up on a on a concept if it's like not selling, do, if it's if it's created is it just always going to be an option uh by way of design or art? How have you thought about it over time? Um, I think that, I mean, we definitely give things like a cycle, yeah. you know, and it's amazing how like when we come, when we get together to start putting together like the new catalog. So we're going, sifting through like all the ideas that we've sort of accumulated over the last six months yeah. and, you know, deciding what's coming to the top and what deserves a little, you know, uh, attention. Um, it's sometimes it's the, it's always amazing that the design sometimes that you're in love with yeah. and you're like, this is a no brainer. It gets out in the world and like nothing, right. like nobody gets it. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we try not to shut, to turn it off too quick. Cause a lot of times it just needs some time to build momentum, but you know, it's usually, you can usually tell in about a year if something is going to make it or not. So, and are there examples of art that has just been, you know, a 30 year staple? Absolutely. Like, uh, we number our doormats. Like the first doormat was like M one. So <laughs> are still like it's, it, it volleys between, uh, number one and number two best selling is, uh, M 41, um, which was at the very beginning. Yeah. So, and it's, it says, hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> And it just, you know, for 20, <laughs> is it, is it, does it look like a name tag? No, it's okay. just, they all kind of have a similar background and then it's just sort of simple screen printing, but you know, it's like from the very beginning, it's been in every year, it's just, what, sometimes what, it's number one, sometimes it's number two. So. What is, uh, the next Matt concept doormat that you make? What number might it be approximately? 534. Oh my goodness. And we're into the 900s at this point. Hello. Are you watching on YouTube, listening on your favorite podcast player? If you're not on YouTube, perhaps consider it because behind us, you would notice that we are in an absolutely beautiful space. And that space is our season sponsor, Ernest Ready Made Warehousing. And so if you're not familiar with Ernest, uh, it is fantastic. I am joined here by my wife, Sarah Ubertaccio, founder hey. of QB Cucina and one of Ernest's newest clients. Yeah, excited to be back on the podcast. Great to have you back. Episode 110, if you haven't listened before. But what we want to talk about today is why you chose Ernest and what makes Ernest stand out, let's say, compared to uh, finding a new office space in town to fulfill from. As a very high level, Ernest is a 30,000 square foot facility on Sweeten Creek, just south of Asheville. Huge facility, beautiful facility. Uh, why did you choose to go with Ernest instead of any other place in Asheville? Yeah, well, I have a small growing business, e-commerce. We sell pasta tools and Italian kitchenware. And we currently outgrew the space that we were in and really needed um, a different kind of space. And so I love Ernest. I love the fact that uh, as we grow, Ernest can scale with us. So they have different sized co-warehousing spaces. Um, so if we, if we grow bigger, we can just quickly move over to a different space within the same building, which is a really huge time saver. I also really love 
love that they have daily, sometimes multiple times a day, um, pickups from UPS, FedEx, and USPS. So we don't have to worry about packages getting lost or stolen, and our team doesn't have to drop them off at the post office. And it just saves us all a bunch of time and headache. Um, and also, they have temperature-controlled rooms, which for a business like us, we, one of our products is pasta flour. It's really sensitive to temperature. It's really, really important for us to make sure that our products are secure and not um, not getting damaged while they're being stored in our warehouse. Um, and I love all the other amenities. I love they have a photography studio so we can quickly photograph our products. They have a full break room. Um, they have co-working space that we're able to use for our meetings with team members and other people um, that may come to, to see us. And then just the sense of community being around other uh, small businesses is something that we currently don't have. And I'm really, really looking forward to, to connecting with others here. I love that. EarnestReady.com if you've not uh, visited that before. Or you can check out makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest. And we have a bunch of information about the partnership we've built for this season, as well as some perhaps special discounts and incentives. If you happen to be a e-commerce business or the right fit for Ernest, you should definitely check out makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest, E-R-N-E-S-T, and back to the episode. Okay. Yeah. So 41 is, is early yeah. days. Wow. Yeah. Uh, any any other like obvious standout pieces, whether it's car magnets or coasters? I mean, the coasters are definitely our best selling item. And I think that a lot of that is just it's I mean, it, the doormats as well. But like um, the coasters, especially just the functionality of a coaster, you can't go wrong. It's a great price point like retail three fifty four dollars, right. depending discretionary. And, yeah. You know, and it's a great little, it's a great little pickup item. You know, you don't know what to get somebody for a present and, you know, you just, you can always find something that's going to work for the, the sense of humor for the person you're getting it for. And, um, you know, slip it in a card and you're good to go. So, um, yeah, that's so, I mean, that's, uh, I can see that being the case. Any, uh, any particular coasters that stand out. So we have three on the table today. Um, (laughs) We have three on the table today. I read one (laughs) earlier. (laughs) I'm sorry I slapped you. Uh, You didn't seem like you would ever stop talking and I panicked with just the sweetest, sweetest little, like, uh, I uh, like, I love Lucy type era face smiling. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of our, um, our licensed artists. Uh, it's a company called Ephemera, mm. and he just—he has this tremendous like collection of vintage photography. Mm. So, and he just—he also has a great sense of humor. So, his kind of uh, sort of design aesthetic is always paired with these sort of like very interesting vintage ladies, you know. So, um, it's really—it's really a lot of fun. So. I love it. All right. So then let's talk about how, how you've thought about sales over the last, uh, almost 15 years, um, at high cotton. So clearly this seems like a heavily weighted towards wholesale business. Um, walk us through lightly what wholesale looks like, how, like, are you, you have these, um, I want to say distributors, but that's not the word for it. What is the word uh sales reps sales reps. manufacturers yeah, reps yeah exactly yeah. so you have these rep agencies or rep mm-hmm. teams um do those happen inbound do they say hey we saw your product we want to to rep you are you 
Googling reps for California? How does that work? You know, it kind of, um, I think initially, um, before we started working with rep groups, um, you can sort of go and set up your own booth and kind of run your own show kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what happened was, um, imagine during trade show, trade show, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and, uh, I think at one, during one of those shows, you know, um, the sales manager at the time just visited, you know, sort of checked out some of the showrooms mm-hmm. and found one that they thought, Oh, we would do great in here. And you open the conversation and, you know, hopefully they like your product and mm-hmm. want to take you on. So, so, uh, as someone who's never been to a trade show, what I'm hearing is like, it seems like there'd be a giant room of independent, you know, wholesale vendor types. And then people are walking around as buyers and then there might be like a smaller room, but it's all thoughtful. And that's a rep group trying to be cooler than the general public. Right. And so if you can get it, your product in that room, these people already have accounts. People are coming to totally. see them. It's the traffic all, it's, is already there. Traffic's already there. And so we want to be in the rep group rooms at trade shows traditionally um, for higher volume or more likely. Yeah, just for, ex- for I, I feel like it, um, especially initially, I think that it's just a great way to get your, your product out there and mm-hmm. get it seen. Um, and uh, uh, for us... Um, it just has always been a really good, um, relationship, um, with the various groups and, um, it's very, it's very sort of cyclical, like the, the gift and home trade shows are twice a year. Mm. So it's, uh, January and then again in July. Mm. So, but then there's, we show in Atlanta and Dallas and Las Vegas and Seattle. Um, and then we have groups that don't show that don't have showrooms mm-hmm. that are just like on the road showing our products. So. Wow. And it, it, it cyclical. One of the questions that I was going to have about the trade shows in general, I, I imagine, you know, pandemic m- meaningfully changed wholesale and trade show experiences. Uh, what other trends have you seen in the last I mean, maybe we talk about that for a moment. Has anything changed since 2021, 2022-ish in the last year or two? Um, I imagine 2020 was like a wash, nothing nothing to Pretty talk much, about. Yeah. Um, but are, is it like back with a vengeance because people missed it, missed going to Vegas and looking at, you know, home goods? Um, is it different or is, or is there somehow, are people running, you know, web-based versions of trade shows that are actually working? Um, how, how has trade shows, how have they evolved? Um, well, definitely, um, after 2020, it's like everyone sort of like during that year, I think everyone was scrambling to sort of figure out, you know, what's next, you know? And I think that following that, when travel opened up again and people were comfortable, um, with that, um, we did see kind of a surge of people coming back to the shows. But I think that what has been created in that time where people weren't going to shows or the shows weren't even open. Yeah, it didn't exist. um, Like a lot of us in our businesses, we found alternate ways of 
finding and getting what we needed, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that this has created for a lot of people a new norm because they're like, why do I need to spend money to go to a show? And you know, it's like, I have all of this access now that's available, available to me online. Mm -hmm. So, and we've definitely seen that at the shows, Mm -hmm. like as far as, um, attendance, you know, it's like, you've got your diehard people who are always, they're always searching for the new now next, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like, and they just, for them, they need to be present and see it and touch it and feel it and that kind of thing. So, um, you'll always have those kind of people's people. Uh, but I think that a lot, a lot of the people that used to travel are, like I said, they've just found ways that are better for them. Sure. And how, how did high cotton evolve? I imagine there have been changes in y'all's business since, uh, since the pandemic, what was your way of finding, um, steady ground where like, I imagine most of your retailers, like locations probably also had soap. So maybe we're able to stay open. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I can imagine the overlap of like, no, it's essential. We have soaps. (laughs) Um, but but how how did your business get affected? How did uh, your playbook or strategy change since the pandemic? I think for us it was um, one, um, like a lot of people. I mean, we already had um, like our wholesale site, our our retail site; those were already in place. You know, when the pandemic happened, um, unlike a lot of people who kind of scrambled to like get there as a means of you know, being able to stay in business while mm-hmm. their physical stores were closed. So, I mean, we were lucky in that sense because we weren't building a new customer. We already had like an existing customer. Um, but, you know, when the bottom fell out of like the wholesale side of it mm-hmm. with stores being closed and that kind of thing, I mean, we definitely did see a surge in like the retail side of our business because, you know, people are home and, you know, they need something to do. So, you know, buying funny things online was a good thing, you know, peace of mind. Yeah. Is a, is a yeah. Big, Anything to, soul. you know, bring a smile to their face at a, a very challenging time. So, um, and the fact that we do everything domestically, like it really allowed us to like, we didn't find ourselves in a situation like a lot of people with the shipping container, we're like sitting on so much inventory, you know, we were able to immediately scale back and, you know, uh, adjust accordingly, which I mean, was a a huge savior for us. Oh my goodness. I can only imagine. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, finished product attempting to come across on a shipping container, uh, and how costs might've exploded for people. But then I'm also imagining that the, like parts that your producers domestically might use probably come from all over the world and you might have felt some cost spike when shipping containers like 5x whatever yeah. normal a little was. bit not so much not actually not so much yeah i just think because i mean we saw increases like everyone did sure. you know but it wasn't um i think as drastic as a lot of the people who were getting finished products you know and then you know transportation went up like it became insane. So having your factory two hours east yeah. is not, yeah. you know, it's like best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I would say the other thing that I'd 
on that sort of rebound, I think what was hard for, you know, pretty much across the board, a lot of manufacturers here in the U S is that they just didn't have workers, Mm. you know? So, you know, they maybe laid off people and then couldn't get people back or, you know, and it took a while for, you know, maybe they're running three shifts and now they're down to two shifts. So, you know, raw product, like, you know, the material that we use to create our, um, our coasters, you know, it went from like a three month to a six month, you know, time, you know, so it's like just things that you just, you know, are not expecting. And, you know, you're just kind of trying to roll with it. But at the same time, it's like, you've got to get the sales while we're there while they're there. So sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oof. And, and so talk me through sales. So you said, uh, the world kind of transitioned to buying online. You had already had an e-commerce infrastructure in place. I imagine it wasn't a, I mean, maybe a meaningful part of the business, but not a large percentage overall of your business at the time. Right. Um, what learning curves, what changes, what, uh, if any, uh, did you make once the world went online? I think for us, it was really just sort of, I think we just started approaching the whole retail side of the business differently, just mm-hmm. recognizing that I feel like maybe historically it, it was just kind of there, you know, as sort of like marketing and, you know, uh, for those people that maybe were traveling and saw something and mm-hmm. got home and be like, Oh, you know, but never really put a lot of effort into it. And I think that coming through, um, the pandemic, it just really made us take a look at if we're going to have this, we need to like make it work mm-hmm. and fine tune it and get it to the best that it can be. So I think that that was definitely over those first few months, it was just, you know, doing everything we could to, uh, just make it a better experience for the customer. Um, you know, work out shipping details, like everything that was just going to, you know, impact us, um, in the long run, just things that we could see short term that we could make changes and just have like an immediate impact. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to imagine so different, like imagine you're shipping boxes of stuff normally and then it's, I mean, this probably all fits in standard envelope type, which makes for the best type of product. If you're going to be in, yeah. if you're going to be in product sales, uh, you know, software is rounds to zero and then things that fit in normal mailers is the best next option. It seems. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. so it, where was fulfillment for e-commerce happening at that time? So at that time, um, we, the doormats, because, um, because of the way that the doormats are sold, um, as individual units, Mm -hmm. all of the other products are sold in sets at, at a wholesale level. Mm -hmm. So the doormats, we could always ship through our other fulfillment center. Um, but the coasters and the magnets, since they, you know, you need to break out the set and sell an individual item. We actually, um, initially we were doing all of that through our office. So orders would come in and we would pack it and ship it ourselves. And then we just got to the point to where with COVID, like the whole office situation shifted and we're working from home and, you know, and then, so it's like, okay, so who takes that on, 
you know, in their basement kind of thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm -hmm. So then, you know, we were fortunate enough to like, to find Ernest and just, it was a perfect fit for us, you know, with these sort of like small individual item, you know, shipments. Yeah. I, I, that, that, where was your office before? We, uh, when the pandemic hit, we were, um, over on Charlotte street. Yeah. Yeah. By Taco Temple right there. Huh. I, yeah. uh, our first apartment when we moved into Asheville was, uh, the manor in. So just further oh, up yeah. and, on, and on the right. So we were, we were neighbors. Yeah. I wonder if that's, maybe I've seen, maybe I saw it. That's funny. Uh, so that's fun. And then work from home can't possibly keep doing this. This is not, it's just not insane. cost effective yeah. for any, you know, it's like, you know, for whoever's going to do it, to take time out of their day to do that, to take them away from what they should be focusing on. Um, it just, and once again, leave it to the people who know, you mm -hmm. know, so it just, uh, uh, the, their opening here just kind of coincided with us also coming to the realization that we needed to make a change. And, uh, it was just a perfect situation. So. I love it. Yeah. We, my wife also, uh, is one of the newer tenants here and it is, it is a, uh, you know, a big asset to be able yeah. to have the, a space that Absolutely. is built for fulfilling. Yeah. Um, her, her products are not, you know, necessarily all fit in postage <laughs> yeah. traditionally. Yeah. So, you know, scheduling pickups and drop-offs and being able to do all that stuff. Uh, it, it's a mental burden if if not a time oh, saver sure. that is just for sure yeah because it all has to be happening in a timely manner it's like you can't just like go to the post office once a week you know what i mean or <laughs> yeah. go to ups you know yeah. it's just it needs to be like happening on a daily basis is you know? amazon set the tone absolutely absolutely yeah. you can't you can't not ship it asap yeah you know? there's I, i've heard someone say the best thing a business can do is like have the your order has shipped email hit as fast as possible after your order has been placed yeah. like there's there's a small joy and it could take longer once it's been you know shipped or like here is your tracking right. number right. it doesn't need to be 24 hours it doesn't need to be same day yeah but knowing that like hey it's on its way yeah. is like the it's the question that consumers have. oh for sure for sure and like for us it's like we've been able to get that to like a 24 hour turnaround. So, you know, it's just, Do you fulfill, uh, e-commerce anywhere else than here. Yeah. So the doormats we do, um, oh, yeah. at our in Winston Salem. Mm -hmm. So that's where we do all of our wholesale, mm -hmm. uh, fulfillment is with the company there. So, cool. so e-commerce comes out of Ernest and then doormats and wholesale, and wholesale yeah. uh, yeah. Winston Salem. That makes a lot of sense. When, um, when thinking about, growing the e-commerce portion of your business. What thoughts do you have? What ideas, what things have you been testing or trying, if any? I think the thing that we have realized as has probably most people out there is just, um, just social media, you know, and the impact that social media can have mm -hmm. on your business, you know? And I think that once again, it was one of those things that we just like, we can do it, you know, we can take care of this. It's not a big deal, you know? And, uh, recently with kind of this shift over here, 
um, to have them take care of this, we also decided that, you know what, we need to, we need to find somebody mm. and hire somebody who's just going to manage, manage all that digital marketing for us. So we have someone in place now. And, uh, so for us, like that's our biggest opportunity It's just cause we've, I it's, it's never been consistent. And, you know, for that, for all of that, um, Facebook, uh, Instagram, all of it, it just, it needs to be consistent. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have that consistent contact with the customer or with the people out there. Um, and it's, uh, we're about three months in right now and it's, we're definitely seeing really positive impact. Yeah. I can imagine y'all having like a, for lack of a better term, like a meme account. So like just funny, 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 and like potentially, you know, a bunch of setups that make the products perfect yeah you know like it's just like oh there's a story and the resolution is here is the coaster <laughs> that like <laughs> succinctly you know uh puts a puts a bow on it so to speak yeah um and it could be you know feel like skits it could feel like written but i i just imagine that uh a an account that is as funny as your products is is almost guaranteed once you guys step into this yeah. in, in a in a big way yeah. yeah. And, and then, I think for us yeah. too, it's like, we, we've really tried to just have like those moments. Like for us, that's what like social media is for us. It's not, you know, I think right now we're at like 25% product, 75% humor, mm -hmm. you know, to mm -hmm. where it's just, we just, you know, it, it might not always be our products, which are very funny, obviously, but it, you know, we like to post things that we find funny mm -hmm. that aren't ours, mm -hmm. you know, and we just want to share that with, with the people out there. So it's just, it, it's more about content or, you know, or l less about product, yeah. just more about bringing a smile to people's face, you um, know? And it, uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it does. And I, I can imagine that your account will grow with consistency, right? I mean, that's, it's, it's a given people stick around with funny and outrageous. And so you, on some of these, seem to, <laughs> seem to do both. <laughs> yes. 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 Which is, which is wonderful. So social media management, is that in-house or did you hire, uh, like a consultant? Yeah. We freelancer? hired a consultant. Yeah. Um, anything else that you have outsourced? Um, other than like manufacturing? Uh, no, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we do all our art design in-house mm -hmm. and, um, like all of that production prep, kind of stuff we all manage that in-house how so. big is the team at this point we're like three yeah yeah it's like it seems like the pot potentially a lot or very dialed systems at this it's, point that's i think once again like a lot of people came through covid mm -hmm. sort of fine-tuning mm -hmm. and really seeing what was necessary and uh um, all of their processes. Mm -hmm. And I think for us, it really allowed us to find those areas where maybe, uh, things were unnecessary, um, and find solutions for that, or just sort of get rid of it altogether. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think through that we have been able to find ways to, um, to sort of keep everybody at a good pace without anyone feeling overwhelmed Yeah, and you know, we're still doing what we need to do. So, I mean, that, that is the dream. It seems, it seems to me like, you know, there are, um, you know, we've interviewed 
a lot of businesses at this point, but let's just say a million, it's hyperbolic, but like there are millions of business types. The outcome, I think most people, if they were being honest with themselves, want is like simple, fun, um, challenging, right? Like you can't just be simple and fun. There right. needs to be challenge. You need to yeah. have problems to solve. You need to have uh, the, the, the feeling of fulfillment, taking a concept, making it real. Um, so it's not all necessarily, uh, rainbows and butterflies, but, but it does seem like you're making funny things, selling them, putting smiles on people's faces. And if you can keep that in perspective, yeah, like, this is great. Like we're yeah. doing, this is so fun. Yeah. No, we say yeah. to each other all the time. We're like, we're, we're just, we're so fortunate. Like <laughs> this is our lives. You know, we like make funny stuff. Yeah. I mean, and I have to imagine with the nature of the business, like you could arguably travel anywhere and it's a business expense at this point. It's you're just, seeing an account. It's just kind of, you know, work from anywhere, so, work from anywhere, yeah. uh, travel anywhere. You go into any gift shop in some town. <laughs> it's like, Oh, our products there. This is a quality control trip. Um, <laughs> that's why I'm in wherever. Uh, that's, that's awesome. When thinking about the future, right? So you have social media. Um, what are there any milestones that we're looking forward to uh, as the business in the quarter ahead, Q4 2023 or the year ahead? I think for us, I think that, and for a lot of people, I think that 2023 has been sort of a reset mm. because last year was so great. I think for a lot of people that I think this year is kind of like, okay, so what's, kind of the new norm, you know, it's like, what are we actually basing our projections on, mm -hmm. you know, having last year being such a banner year. So I think for us, it's just sort of like, sort of finding our way through this year and then sort of figuring out then based on that, what next steps are for 2024. So, um, but I think with fourth quarter, right you know, on our heels mm. that I think that we're definitely seeing some strengthening within, um, like the wholesale side of the business. I think that a lot of people are just playing it really close yeah, right now. You know, it's like they're only ordering what they need, you know, that type of thing. But I, but I think that a lot of people have just from talking to people at the trade shows and retailers, um, uh, on the phone, whatnot, um, people are, have are feeling really positive about mm. fourth quarter. So I think we'll definitely see some, those people sort of gaining a little bit of more confidence mm -hmm. and sales sort of, uh, catching some momentum moving into fourth quarter. We interrupt this episode with a horror story, an e-commerce horror story that my wife, Sarah Upertaccio experienced, but I'm going to preface, she's not alone. You might be an e-commerce store owner. You might have a friend who's an e-commerce store owner. And uh, this story is universal, though specific. Sarah, please take it away. Yeah, well, I own a small business called QB Cucina, and we sell Italian pasta tools and kitchenware. And in our previous space where we were fulfilling from, one day my employee was packaging up a bunch of packages to ship via UPS, and UPS did not pick up from this location. And so she was going to package them up and take them out to the car and drive them to UPS. Well, it was raining a lot that day. As and it tends to here in Asheville. Yes, as it tends to here in Asheville. And on her way, taking the dolly out to her car, uh, some packages 
packages flew off the dolly, were soaking wet, she was soaking wet, and then she had to repackage them, like go back up to the office and repackage them because they were ruined and and couldn't be shipped out. So, yeah. And uh, A, I'm so sorry to hear that story. That's a heartbreaker. Now you don't have to worry about that happening anymore because you work at Ernest Ready Made Warehouse and they have daily pickups and deliveries from FedEx, UPS, and USPS. Yes, it's like it's like suddenly we have a valet and concierge at our fingertips, which is amazing. Um, they have daily pickups from from all the major shipping carriers, and they have a huge loading dock, so we can receive our shipments very easily, twenty four hours of the day, every day of the week, which is amazing. To learn more about Ernest Ready Made Warehouse, visit makingitinashville.com forward slash Ernest, E-R-N-E-S-T. We have uh, all sorts of information about this season, about our sponsor, Ernest Ready Made, and uh, offer a very special incentive for those of you who are small business owners in Asheville who could benefit from this facility. Back to the episode. Here's, here's open. I, uh, yeah, I think that there has been, at least with everyone that we, we've talked to, some sort of, especially when in, in the selling of product stuff, something in 2022 felt um, uh, like consumers had a had a had a had money in their pocket, <laughs> yeah. and it was burning a hole, and they needed to put it to use somewhere, and so they were buying our stuff, and now. Um, whether it, uh, and I don't pretend to know, you know, micro or macro economic trends, but uh, there does seem to be slightly more, uh, let's say, uh, conservative spending mm-hmm. values. And but yeah. I, I suspect it might, to your point, come yeah. back uh, yeah. before people have been saving it up, saying like, when is the bottom going to fall out? People were talking about recession. Like, how yeah. is my money worth less? Like, what is what is actually yeah. going on? Yeah. I think, I think for retailers, I think that, you know, people who are sto- store owners, very few of them are new to this. Yeah. You know what I mean? They've been in the business for 10 plus years, you mm-hmm. know, so they're, they're very aware of their market. So I think that, um, most people that I talk to, it's not that business is bad. Mm. It's just you know, slightly off, Yeah. you know, and I think that they're just, you know, yeah. feeling it out. And, um, like I said, I, it, most people that I talk to, they're not suffering. Yeah. They had a, know? they had a 20% growth year last year and couldn't really pin any particular thing that they did right. to have caused it. And right. now it's like flat and we're like, wait, yeah. but, but 10%, the, over the last two years would have been great. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, absolutely. Hey, we're flat to last year. What, yeah. what happened? Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah, last year was an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I talked to people, um, last year who, like I said, um, a lot of them have been in business 15, 20 yeah. years. And it's like they had their best holiday season ever last year. Yeah. So it's without just, doing anything necessarily yeah. new. So it's, it's not like, um, have you ever run ads as a business? We have. Yeah. How does that work for you? Not great for yeah. us. Yeah. We haven't found that to be a really uh, viable channel for us. It seems to me, my guess was that the average product cost does not make ads, traditional ads, the best possible channel for you. Like if you have, um, you know, some of the you know strongest examples is like, uh, there's this, 
company and I'm forgetting its name right now. I can see it, but they do these like survival kits. You just have to buy them and you put them in the car or you put them in the basement or whatever it is, but it's like a $500 thing. And so they spend so much money on their ads because one person buys yeah. and then all the thousands of people who didn't buy it <laughs> like, right. are, it's a, you know, right. or hundreds probably right. more accurately right. who didn't buy it um, are like washed out, right? And so you, if you're running at a break even, you'd have to do a really efficient ad buying process to get, you know, uh, at, you know, if someone buys one cozy yeah. or, or, or a coaster, you know, shoot, we didn't make, <laughs> we, <laughs> right. we lost, we lost yeah. money. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. So if they buy a four pack or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so I, uh, that was one of my questions. If ads had happened, what was the way, is it in like a trade show magazine? Is it in yeah. like, is it a, you know, some sort of banner walking into a physical place versus um, digital? I was wondering yeah. what your relationship no, was. No, I mean, we've definitely played with that in the past yeah. um, and just haven't really seen the return on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I think that especially like, the trade show kind of stuff. I mean, we usually do sort of like, uh, we'll do like a group ad with our agency, mm -hmm. you know, where they sort of highlight all of the rep, all of the, um, manufacturers that they represent. But, um, unless it's like you're doing something that's new and hasn't been seen before and mm -hmm. you really need to like bring people's attention to it. Um, those kind of larger, uh, banner type situations at the trade shows, you know, just really don't make a lot of sense. Yeah. So, uh, and then a, a tactical, perhaps two, two in the weeds question. I, I noticed on most of the products, it's, you'll I'll see a high cotton ink or high cotton alone. Have you ever put highcotton.com? We haven't, we do it on the, the, um, on the, bar, on the, barcode, the barcodes on the back. Smart. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. We do have it in that sense. So all the products um, have that uh, on them, uh, but that's just kind of our um, our trademark. Yeah, no, it, it's so it's so interesting. I'm wondering, did um, I mean? I imagine it was a long, long time ago. But um, did High Cotton like have have there been? And I, when I googled you, there's like a restaurant called High Cotton. I imagine it's like a common phrase. Um, what is the trade? Did you have any insight into the trademarking process or have you ever had to try to defend art, um, or products we, over time? We haven't. The trademark was kind of an interesting process for us. Um, we started selling, uh, initially when we started selling the doormats on Amazon, uh, we found we we're probably a couple years in and we just kind of noticed like some bad reviews and you know some like uh, pricing things that were coming up. So we started researching it and realized that overseas manufacturers were knocking off our designs, essentially like screenshot and like putting it on a far inferior product mm. and shipping it directly from overseas. So, and we, for whatever reason, we didn't have a trademark in place at that time. And the only way that Amazon will protect you is if you can prove the rights. Wow. So it was a very challenging process for us, but it was, it, 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 because it's kind of, um, we're able to relate it specifically to products. Yeah. It wasn't as difficult as say like high, high cotton, the restaurant yeah. know, that would apply to high restaurants with the name high cotton, yeah. you know? So fortunately for us, no one else was attempting to use high cotton in relation to gift items. So, 
wild. And I can't believe it's just now that I'm realizing. So what, what does Amazon play a role in your, like if there was a pie of sales is Amazon, what does that look like as a percent? Um, within sort of direct to consumer, any, it's, I guess, it's yeah. probably like, we don't, we not a major channel. No. Okay. It, it was initially for us. And then because Amazon is this beast that requires a lot of attention, mm-hmm. um, we, after sort of that, um, uh, counterfeit, scenario that we had to work through, we decided to do some key partnerships Mm -hmm. with some, um, resellers who that's all they do all day long is run their Amazon store. So we sell to them, they sell to customers. And then we, we, we sell on Amazon. We have a a seller central account, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's more of like a backup Mm -hmm. to where if anyone's out of stock on something, then will always be in stock on it. So we've never put a lot of effort into that, nor do we want to, Mm -hmm. because like I said, in order for it to really be successful, you need like a person and that's all they do all day. Every day is just manage Amazon. So we just, we have, like I said, taken on some key partnerships and allow those people to just do it for us. I love it. It seems, uh, like you all have a pretty dialed system. Are there any philosophies or perhaps books or coaching or whatever that has gotten you all to this, uh, this place where it seems like, you know, you focus on the things that you're particularly great at or want to spend time on and then key partners, earnest key partners, uh, you know, the, the rep groups to handle parts of the business that, you know, can be more efficient. Like how, how did you get to this place? Was it like this in 2009 as, no. as much? No. No, I think we're much more, um, I think as things have shifted over the years, we're much more, um, we have a much better digital representation. So, uh, with, we didn't have a wholesale website for Mm. years and years and years. So that was an opportunity for us. We, um, our retail site initially, like everyone else, you know, uh, we sourced through an agency. You know, so you'd submit things to, you know, and it would take a week or 10 days for things to happen, you know, and then Shopify appeared mm. and it was the game changer, mm-hmm. you know, cause now you have full control over everything, you know, and any plugin that you want, you know, is there. So that, that was a game changer for sure for us, just sort of coming to that realization that we could do all of that and handle it ourselves. Mm and have the control that we wanted, um, without having to, you know, source it out to someone else. So that was, that was a huge, that was a big step for us. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm inspired. <laughs> like I, I, and I mean this in the best way. I, I think that there's often this like effort to change the world or so to speak in entrepreneurship or business generally. And, uh, and then I look at these, you know, coasters and magnets and I'm smiling and I go, huh, you know, a sticker business, a coaster (laughs) business that has an effect. However you want to define that effect, but like a good effect that's as noble as 
anything else and you can make probably run a hell of a business if you if you do it right yeah and it doesn't need to i mean i don't know what your weeks look like but it, it you know it seems like you've progressed and, and grown a business such that uh some portion of it like fulfillment here is is being handled by teams and like that's aspirational to me like I, i'm i'm in a season where i'm like how do we find efficiency how do we you know double down triple down 10x the things that we're most dangerous at and i look at this and i go mm-hmm. okay noted <laughs> so thank yeah. you uh for sharing the story i'll i'll ask i've said it a couple times highcotton.com how else might people if they were interested in connecting find you um instagram high underscore cotton facebook is uh high cotton inc Perfect. So, yeah. And we'll have links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Um, I am, I'm, I'm tickled and I'm, I'm, we'll work potentially on something, maybe, uh, a, a collaboration or some sort of discount code on an e-commerce purchase. Um, that'll be in the show notes as well on our website if we work something out, but thank you so much for being here. This yeah. is wonderful. Thanks for having me. 